Right. During Lent, we've been going through Mark's Gospel. And unsurprisingly, the passage I've been given to speak from in Mark's Gospel today uh, comes from uh, the bit on what we'd refer to as Palm Sunday. And I was originally going to title my sermon, The Last Journey, but on reflection and given one of the things we're singing, an alternative one might be Let the Blind See. But what I'm going to do before we get there is I think because we've been looking at it through Mark, rather than doing, if you like, a detailed sermon looking at Palm Sunday, I want to put it in its wider context. So if you've been following our pattern uh, over the uh, Lent, this last week you've been asked to read chapters 10 and 11, the week before 8 and 9. So I want to just do first a quick overview of what those chapters tell us. So we've got the context of what happens on Palm Sunday. Now Hugh is going to very bravely try and keep up with uh, all the passages. This is the sort of thing which would work well if you've got a Bible, turn to chapter 8 of Mark and then you'd just be able to follow through and see a bit of the pattern uh, which I'll then come back. So. A couple of weeks ago, beginning of chapter 8, I was preaching on the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus is in Galilee. Then, if we go on a bit further, uh, get to somewhere about 22 uh, of chapter 8, we find that Jesus heals a blind man. And then he goes on uh, in the next section, starting from about verse 31, the first time he starts telling his disciples about his death and resurrection, which leads in to what Pete was preaching on last week, the transfiguration. And at this point, Jesus is travelling through Galilee. So he's, in a sense, he's stopped just being in Galilee and teaching his disciples in one place. He's now travelling through Galilee. And he teaches them a second time about his death and resurrection. Because his disciples, like most of us, take a while to pick things up. And so need repetition. And then as we get into chapter 10, we find that he's now moved outside Galilee. And he's now travelling through Judea and beyond the Jordan. And he's teaching his disciples as he goes along. And as you look at it, you get various themes come out. One which keeps getting repeated is, who is the greatest? One, he draws on the little children. You have the rich young man who comes in. So, what, what matters in the kingdom of God? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And he teaches about his death and resurrection again might notice a pattern starting to appear here. Interestingly, two of the times after he teaches about his death and resurrection is when you get the disciples trying to see who's going to be the most important one. Which is interesting that that's their response, you know, to it. Then, as we get towards, where are we now? Uh, The end of chapter 10, Jesus 
this is verse 46 now, Jesus arrives in Jericho. And then from Jericho, he's going to go up to Jerusalem. And it is go up. Jericho is important for various things. One of them is that if you look in the Guinness Book of Records, it's the lowest point on earth, about 800 feet below sea level. Jerusalem, on the other hand, is 3,000 feet above sea level. So to get from Jericho to Jerusalem, you've got to climb 3,800 feet, which is more than you can do from sea level to any point in this country. So it's a journey up. It's a journey through desert until you get towards the last bit and you can see Jerusalem and it starts getting green because higher up you can get rain. Okay, so that's where we're starting from. I'm going to read now from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 11, verse 14. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing it, says, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told him what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany of the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. This is a triumphal entry. This is the arrival of a king. The arrival of a king of peace. Hosanna 
has elements in it of save, of salvation, also of praise to God. So they're looking for a king who's coming to save them. They recognise it's a king sent from God. If they knew their prophets, and I'm sure they did, they would have known the verses in Zechariah chapter 9. Now Zechariah is quite easy to find in the Old Testament because you just go back to uh, the end of the Old Testament and it's the one before the last prophecy. So Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Hosanna. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So this coming king is a king who is coming to bring peace. This coming king is a king who is coming to rule over all. This king is coming on the colt, a foal of a donkey. And here is Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a colt. doesn't mention it's a donkey in Mark, I believe it does in Matthew. But where's the peace? We live in a world where we don't see peace breaking out. Where, although it's probably more peace, despite what's happened in the last few weeks, it's still overall more peaceful now than it's been in most previous generations. But when the prophets speak, they often speak as if what God is going to complete has actually already happened. So the fact that we don't see all that peace now, as has already been mentioned earlier in the service, doesn't mean that Jesus isn't the King of Peace, doesn't mean that the peace isn't coming, it's not here yet. But here's the King coming into Jerusalem. But who recognises Jesus for who he really is? When the Gospel writers are writing their stories of what Jesus is, when they're bringing together what they know has happened, they don't, it's not random things put just because they, this is where it happened and this is then what happened. The, they've chosen the parts they put in to teach us and to tell a story. So, what happens just before Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, as recorded by Mark? 
as he's leaving Jericho, there's a blind man. What does the blind man say? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The blind man can see who Jesus is. What happened towards the beginning of the pattern? Because this is this part of Mark from 8 through to 11. He's drawing a pattern of Jesus is leaving Galilee and coming up to Jerusalem. As he leaves Galilee, or just before he leaves Galilee, he heals a blind man. Just as he arrives in Jerusalem, he heals a blind man. But let's go back to chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. Bearing in mind what I've just read out about this, about uh, Bartimaeus. This is the first healing in chapter 8, verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And then he spat on his eyes and laid his hand on him and he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like Tretans walking. Then Jesus laid his hand on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. So, when Jesus here starts healing the blind man, does he see clearly straight away? No. Everything's fuzzy. He needs Jesus to do something more so that he can see clearly. And as Jesus was coming up from Galilee to Jerusalem, we're told he was teaching his disciples. The impression you get is as he's on his way, he's teaching them. He's helping them to understand about his coming death and resurrection. Although we know from what happens later, they still haven't really put everything together and it doesn't really work until after the resurrection when they sort of think, oh, that's what he said. But when he's coming into Jerusalem and Bartimaeus is healed, he can see immediately because it's now clear what is happening. But what happens recorded afterwards? We find that Jesus going into Jerusalem the next day sees this fig tree in leaf and he goes to have a look to see if there's any fruit on it. Now like the vine in the Old Testament the fig is often used as an image of Israel of God's people. Now, reading various commentaries, there are different interpretations of what Jesus might have been looking for when he went to the fig tree. One I've read suggests that I don't know much about figs, and I, let alone in this country, let alone in uh, Palestine. But there's one suggestion 
that before you get the main crop, there's some small figs which are available earlier and is looking for those. The other suggestion is, okay, the it wasn't the time for the figs to be ready, but if there's going to be any fruit, you'd be able to tell at that point. You know, as you, most fruit, you, you can see something starting long before you get the actual full fruit ready and able to pick. Whatever it is, when he goes to the fig tree, there's no indication that there's going to be any fruit now or in the future. And this is a picture of what is happening and what's going to happen in the coming days with the leaders of Israel. God looks to them and there's nothing there. Jesus teaches and they refuse to hear. Again, if you look in the early chapters I skimmed through in Mark, you've got various times when the Pharisees or the other leaders send people to question Jesus. And if we follow through what happens during the week from here up to Easter, we find that in the temple they ask them questions. They ask questions, they hear the answers, Jesus is teaching clearly so people can understand and they decide to reject him. So the rulers, the religious leaders who should know what the prophets have said and know what God is going to do, do not listen. The blind Those who are rejected by society see what God is doing and hear and believe. And that is the question for us. Which, are, which group are we in? Are we those who hear and respond? Or those who hear but it doesn't fit in with what we want to hear or how we think things ought to go or it's going to challenge our position and therefore reject. And this is what Mark is bringing out here in this part of his Gospel. Jesus the King has entered Jerusalem. Everybody has got to make a decision.